The Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all-natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. We'll find out if I'm alone on an island from all the dumb things I've been saying for the last hour because I'm going to let Kent Swanson tell me if I'm on the right track or not. You can see where he leads you across KC Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter and presumably other social medias either now or at some point. I don't know. He's the, the hashtag Kirkland King and a third of the KC Laboratory podcast. You can read his work on the Substack, kcsn.substack.com. Kent! Good to talk to you, my friend. How are you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was wonderful. I am so excited to be talking to you, Joshua. Like, I know, like, blah, blah, blah. We like to do the vitriolic. I hate each other. Or yeah. We hate each other. All that stuff. I am really excited to, uh, to spend a little time talking, I'm assuming, Chiefs and something random with you. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I ended up. I just realized sort of partway through the intro, I didn't even feel like the urge to kind of throw a hateful barb your direction. And and I, I said this at the top of the show. I mean, look, last time last time that, that this radio station heard these vitriol these these previously vitriolic tones, they were coming from a version of Joshua Briscoe who had never swam with manatees. And now I'm a new man, Nati. You swam with manatees. How did I not know this? It just happened. It just this is the first chance I would have to really tell you about it in all likelihood. Because uh, I was in Florida with my family over Thanksgiving. We got back yesterday. Boy, my arm's tired. And uh, we, uh, we we did a little uh, manatee swimming excursion thing that was very cool. And uh, I, I have not fully unpacked all of that yet. It's going to take years, I imagine, uh, just the majesty of it all. But they are so big. Can't that's the that's the overwhelming takeaway for me. However big you think manatees are, bigger. I, uh, I, I'm a, I, so we live, I, I live in Kansas. Mm-hmm. You live in Missouri. You live mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Obviously, yeah. you have family in Florida now, but I have deep fas- fascination with sea creatures and I am simultaneously amazed and terrified of orcas. And, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've been to SeaWorld. I, I, maybe I shouldn't admit that, but like, I, the sea creatures like that, the belugas you can swim with, manatees you can swim with, like the, how big they are is just it is it is so hard to fathom. I I don't know if I would want to swim with a manatee or if I'd just be so terrified that I just couldn't do it. So here I'll I'll paint you one little uh, vignette and then we can talk about the Chiefs or whatever. Um, but we we were in it's a, it's it's a completely wild area and we had a very good um, guide and everything and I'll, I'll you know I'll send you the links whenever you guys get down there maybe maybe when uh, Seth makes his next trip you guys can all go together and you guys can all swim with manatees I'll come film it um, but the uh, the little like spring that we were swimming into we were kind of out there floating around for a little while and hadn't really seen any and I was I mean we knew they were there but I, I hadn't seen any under the water the little snorkel and goggle situation. And so I just started kind of swimming up the, uh, the the little opening back into the spring. And in like a, a flying V formation, three manatees are coming directly at me. And in that moment, I thought this could have been a mistake. This could be I could I could be the first person in the history of recorded anything to die of a manatee attack. It doesn't happen. They they don't attack. They have no territorial instincts. They don't want to hurt anyone ever. Um, but they're very protected, of course. So you have, you also have to be very respectful of of them. But watching the the largest one swim past me, I just sort of turned my head, and it was like an it was like an 
sort of scary, uh, I don't know if it's, if it's water horror kind of movies or dinosaur movies, whatever, when you just see a, a, an animal, a living creature of some sort is, is going past you and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and you're like, oh God, that's a, that's the Loch Ness Monster. That's some sort of, some sort of sea monster, except for in this case, it's basically a barely sentient potato. Uh, we, so I, I got to snorkel with, with sea turtles this, uh, this summer. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me. And well, I mean, it's, it's even like, yeah, it's a docile creature. It's, I mean, that's heavily protected. I'm not trying to flex. We did it in Hawaii. It's a very protected animal there. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was a little bit of a better. That's okay. Um, but even just like seeing something half the size of a manatee like that and being close to it. Some kind of just wonderment and innate fear. How small do you feel? Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Within, within, and so I couldn't imagine seeing something of that magnitude in the open. It sounds like you were swimming with wild manatees. Yes. Which is incredible. Yes. I yeah. I I'm, I don't know if I'm in because I still don't. I, I I still don't know if I could do it. But like you know that's that's. That's incredible. I'm very happy you guys to do that. Getting off the boat and into the water, I, I certainly had a moment of, you know what? I don't know that I need to be here for this. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> Renee, you have a great time. I'll take some pictures from the boat. Maybe maybe I don't need to do this, uh, but I'm glad I did fully recommend. I'll, I'll uh, you know, send you the link next time you're in the Floridian area, and I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. Tell, tell them Briscoe sent you. I'm sure I'll get it for free because of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to get you a, a, a manatee uh, promo code. I don't think they have those. Um, you know what? Is it going to cost you a single thing? Listening to the KC Laboratory podcast, which is something that I did this morning. Uh, because Kent, I was in Florida. It, uh, there was a whole thing with a bird. I won't re-explain again. But um, I, I had a very hectic first viewing of Chiefs Raiders, specifically the beginning of the first quarter, which is when a lot of the panic was beginning to settle in. And... Um, I, I ended up having a take that I think I think uh, the the esteemed Maddie Lane may have may have uh, ended up the closest to me on with some some stuff on the, the the Chiefs offense in terms of I am glad to see the building blocks that the Chiefs put out there on Sunday but I didn't necessarily feel like it was some big offensive breakthrough like this can't be the final evolution of the Chiefs offense but they did show a lot of good steps in the right direction that's kind of where I'm starting now is that a fair way of looking at it or am I being too hard on an offense that just needed to get something going no it's totally fair because we've gone through this several times now where you know a couple there's there's been these peaks in the season from an offensive production perspective and say, oh, that was the moment Mm-hmm. We're gonna look back on that Chargers game, and we're gonna say, "Hey, that was that was a big breakthrough for this offense." And you know, we've seen them, you know, beat up on some bad teams, and we've seen them, you know, put some points on the board against some, you know, the the Bears. I think it's entirely fair to be a little bit dubious. I think the process by which they arrived at 31 points this week is what gives me optimism mm-hmm. because they had so much intentionality with like, let's put the best players on the field. Let's involve the best players. Let's try to find a way to generate some touches for the best players on the field. Like Kadarius, Tony, and Nicole Hardman don't play and Marquez Valdez Gatling has his second lowest snap percentage yeah. of the entire year. They, Hey, let's go feed Rishi Rice. Let's go, you know, it may not always be 
you know, him having to you know, diagnose a, a coverage and, and make the right route adjustment. So let's just give him the ball. And so, yeah, there, it's, it was very simplified and all that, but you, you can be dubious because it can be, I mean, if, if they don't build on this, they are not going to succeed in January. Right. Yeah, that's that's where I end up. And you've you've also made a little bit of a distinction between them simplifying the offense and them reducing the offense. Um, and then also what that does for the quarterback that is now running in a more reduced, uh, simplified offense. Can you unpack that a little bit? Cause I think it's a really interesting angle. So I think that's what you mean. Like, I think there's a difference between like. If you're going to simplify an offense, there are drawbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of them. You know, predictability can be one of them. But if you are going to, you know, kind of take away some of the responsibilities of your young, inexperienced wide receivers, someone's got to pick up the slack somewhere. And it, it can put more pressure on your quarterback because now it's more defined and there may not always be great answers. So he's either going to have to really put a great ball on a receiver or he's going to have to use his legs and try to create out a structure. You put more on your quarterback when you simplify things for everyone else around him. And Mahomes was great. I mean, he was great at doing what he what he did on Sunday was fantastic. I think it was one of his better games of the season. I think he did some really, really good things. One of them being, let's use this as an example, a simplification. You've got a a back shoulder fade opportunity for Rishi Rice. So that's, you know, that's an outside release route. It's probably like that, that, that was what they were running. It looked like they tried to make a little, you know, move, like a little double move almost at mm-hmm. the sticks into the back shoulder fade. But that is not a route concept that Mahomes is reading through. He's taking his one-on-one option and he's having to throw a great ball to give Rishi Rice a chance. So it's not a bad thing. You know, Aaron Rodgers did that in in Green Bay a lot. You know, people lamented how simplified their offense was in some regard for some of this stuff. Aaron Rodgers would just make it work. Mahomes made some some simple things work in a way that other quarterbacks could. And so that is something that, regardless of you know if they you know they're gonna they're gonna build off of what they've done to this to this point of season for sure, no doubt about it in my mind. Um. But um, from this point on, there's still going to be some moments that are going to require Mahomes to just grip it, rip it, put it, you know, put it, put it in a perfect spot. And, you know, because they're not going to always be out scheming people or have great answers when teams present different coverages. It, the reason that is kind of what I was fishing for there a little bit, because I think that the reason that's so interesting to me is it makes sense. It's where you would want to put more responsibility. If if you can't seem to find a way to to make all of these guys work in the perfect intricacies of your offense, and you say, all right, well, well, one dude out here needs to take a little bit more of the responsibility, and not you know, in a, whatever, take take a little more of of the responsibility to have to make the plays or to have fewer options or fewer perfect answers, and still find a way to get successful results out of imperfect situations. Make it the best football player currently living. Like that, that to me seems like a good bet. And I, they've all, I'm, I'm trying to be careful with my words here with how I position this. Mm-hmm. I think Andy Reid, his preference is to not do that. Yeah. And right. Andy Reid 
preference. This is why you don't know. They you, they never know huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is why they don't decide. Let's just go play a possession and tempo offense. But they only save their two minute offense for their two minute situation. And that's why they, you know, they're they're not going to go out and try to, you know, mix the tempo up. They're going to huddle. Andy Reid's going to call it his play, and it's going to get run. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not putting stuff on the plate of Mahomes or anything like that. It's just, you know, that that is always, obviously not Andy Reid's preference, which is why he puts so much on the plate of young receivers that they have to learn before they can really get involved in this offense, right? Yeah. So, um it's not the. It's definitely not the preference of the play caller, you know. And he likes to have that level of control, and not in a bad way. Just that's just true. And so, putting a little bit, it's taking a little bit of control away from from Andy Reid in some regard, if you think about it. Yeah, I, I the tempo element is perfect because that is the perfect way to connect it because yeah I think there's there's nothing inherently bad in fact I think there's something inherently good about an offensive minded head coach wanting to make life as easy on his players as possible like if every coach could do that successfully we'd we'd see a lot fewer firings but in this case I think that the best thing for the team might not be the easiest thing for the offense which is cut down here and there and then and then let Mahomes decide where to put these footballs. Um and in that Rasheed Rice back shoulder fade being amongst the plays where that was that was clearly on display. Um was that your favorite of the suite of Rasheed Rice plays on Sunday or did a, did another one stand out to you even more? That one I don't think I'm fishing for a specific answer on. I just want to talk about Rasheed Rice with you. I I that one the touchdown, I mean those were great. You know, and I, I just think, it, like, the thing that I appreciate and the thing that got me so excited was just watching the variety yeah. that he he utilized, you know, the, the variety that he, um, you know, he had within the offense and it speaks to everything we're talking about here is, you know, so many good things happen when you put the ball in his hands and he is the most explosive player on this offense. He is um, a, a load to bring down after the catch and you, you saw that, like, that that's got to be a piece of this offense moving forward is getting these simple things to him, and it's you know the, the, there's there's some variety to throwing a back shoulder fade and going up and getting the ball and then running an under route and taking it to the house and things to start. You know, so I, I I think it's the spread of things that got me excited as much as it was like two individual like those are my two favorite, but like the diversity of that is kind of cool too. Yeah, well, and the third and eight is that that one sticks out because I don't know. I think Seth learned about this, but I I don't know how many guys on this team in particular are actually getting a first down there. How many guys are bou- either flattening it off or getting bounced back before they actually get to the sticks? The fact that we have three or four Rasheed Rice plays we can point to and honestly debate like what's the most encouraging or most fun and then land on variety. Oh, what a blessing! Tell, imagine telling ourselves that this was going to happen in April. What a, what a joy! Um, also, you wrote about, uh, fittingly, I thought, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Um, when when Travis Kelsey is not the focal point of an opposing defense, I don't know what an opposing defense thinks is going to happen. Um, what did you see from how the Raiders were defending Kelsey in particular and, and what that means for, for where the offense settles? Well, I mean, and the Raiders still definitely picked their spots on where they were going to try to, um, you know, they picked their spots on where they were going to try to emphasize you know, coverage to him. And I think that's when the Chiefs did a pretty good job of getting the ball in the playmakers of other people. Um, you know, there's always, I think that the way that teams are going to continue to defend Travis Kelsey is there's always going to be these critical downs. Like on the critical downs, that's where extra attention is going to go to Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's going to be some, 
some of the opportunities for Kelsey are going to come in some early down looks, which I think you saw a little bit of that this mm-hmm. week, right? Mm-hmm. There's still places and opportunities for you to, you know, get Travis Kelsey involved. Third downs are going to continue to be something where teams are going to say, all right, let's make someone else beat us on this down in particular, right? But I think the Chiefs did a really good job of getting him involved, you know, throughout the flow of the game, not just on crucial downs. You know, even it, it, I think that's kind of – he's going to get his production. He's going to help generate some explosive plays. And the gravity of him is going to continue to help. Um, there's going to be difficult times trying to get him the ball in some of these big downs because that's just how teams are going to take some, some of this stuff away. But I think you saw what happened with Rishi Rice making some big plays in some of those moments too. So um, good to see him pr- produce. You know, I think he had 116 yards in three games prior, and he had nine, six catches for 91 this week. So good job getting him involved. And, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to come up with some stuff, you know, as, as they are, they're, they're going to have to continue to build towards a really sound third down package and, you know, anticipate a lot of extra attention for him. As they always have. Right. And if you want to, uh, to read more about all of that again, kcsn.substack.com, you can get uh, all the KCSN guys work over there. One more kind of like uh, next step offensive thing before we get to the defensive side and some stuff that you talked about in the lab that uh, I just want to make you say on the record because uh, I don't like being alone on one particular island. We'll get there. Linebacker related. It'll be okay. But um, when when we talk about this being a point for the offense to evolve off of, there being good things here, but they're still needing to be next steps. What what would you have as the the highest level of importance for? Okay, they've they've got these pieces coming together. The offense now needs X next for us to think that, that this offense is going to win a Super Bowl. Well, they're still going to have to. I think they're still going to need the Rashi Rice's of the world to develop understanding of coverage and route context. And it's not like I think I. We're talking about, like, hey, in the interim, right, in the interim, we are going to simplify. In the interim, we are going to take some of these choices away. We are going to, you know, reduce the amount of plays we need these guys to know the coverage, know the route adjustment, and be in the right spot. But that has to get better by January 6th. Like, it's not something that they can entirely go away from. They have to have that improved by the end of the year. And so I know it's, it's, it's weird to say, like, hey, like, you know, they, they, they did a really good job, you know, of in the interim doing, you know, helping fix some of their short-term problems. The long-term problem still has to be solved. It still has to be something that becomes a big part of this offense. In a, in a you know in a significant way, and it's got to come from their best players understanding and doing a better job with some of that. And so you know, they're it's really it's an accelerated it's 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 the it's the Rishi Rice's of the world, and even some of the degrees the Sky Moore's of the world. Yeah, you know, Sky Sky looked good this week. I know he it was Marcus Peters he was sh- shaking who mm-hmm. just you know got. Uh, didn't he just get cut? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> he got cut by the Rangers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, you know, like it, it's they need their young players still have to develop in the nuances that this offense has historically had. The ESPN headline here from a couple of days ago is brutal. Raiders wave Marcus Peters parentheses benched. Roderick Teamer parentheses arrested. Not 
not usually very, the very Raiders headline. Very a very a very Raiders headline. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I came up with one more uh, offensive question for you, so I lied about going to the defense. Um, where are you at on the offensive line right now? I, it, it feels like it has been kind of an odd group for a variety of reasons. What what's the true version of of that unit, and how are you feeling about specifically where the tackles have have landed um, with the decisions the Chiefs had to make this offseason? I'm not beat up about Jawan Taylor as much as other people are. I still am a believer in him. I know there's going to be some inconsistencies. I think that's going to get better over time. I think, you know, like we put these guys in, you know, it's, it's a week, week process for him. So, like, I'm not as worried about Jawan Taylor. I know he's got a lot of penalties, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I think there's still a lot of really good tape out there on him. There's still, yeah, there's still many consistencies for sure, but. That'll continue to get cleaned up, and by the you know year next year will be a night and day difference, and you know he'll be one of the best tackles in football. Um, <clears throat> Donovan Smith is exactly what I think a lot of people thought he was. Yep. You know, and you know, I, I not a, he's a stopgap. He's not a great tackle. He's been hurt. He's playing. I think mean, you know he's played through some, some injuries. It appears. Uh, which he did last year. You know, it's a. I think he's playing at a very replaceable level. I think there are moments where he is a problem. Not all, not all the time. Don't get me wrong. Like I, you know, I think some of the pressure stats and stuff. I know some people, you know, the two most pressured pressures a lot of in the tackle position. There might be just a trend with the Chiefs at this point because I think that was the case last year. Um, but yeah, I. I, I I'm more concerned about Donovan Smith than I am Juwan Taylor, which is how it should be. You know, Donovan Smith's a one-year stopgap, but, you know, wouldn't wouldn't hate to see Juan and Morris get a few snaps here and there just to, you know, have him ready just in case because, you know, I I don't think there's too much of a difference between those two guys right now. It's Kent Swanson of the uh, KC Laboratory podcast and as a part of uh, KC Sports Network, kcsn.substack.com, and I'm restating who he is so I can ask him this question. Um, when you look at the linebacker group, Kent, and uh, the incoming return of Nick Bolton, you just want to go ahead and uh, give uh, all of Drew Tranquil snaps right back to Nick Bolton, right? Oh, of course. That's exactly what I want to happen. <laughs> and I, I, hey, look, I, Drew Tranquil is my, the exact kind of linebacker I've always wanted this team to have. Yeah. Where, you know, he's just he's a lot more well-rounded player. He's a lot more competitive in passing lanes and in coverage. Um, you know, he's maybe not as downhill physical minded as, as Nick Bolton is. You know, he's not as good downhill against the run. And not that he's not bad. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just, that's not his, his trump card. But I think he's a perfect, fantastic, not perfect, a fantastic modern day linebacker. And if the Chiefs, choose to take him off the field even when Nick Bolton returns I will be very disappointed and I I saw Maddie tweeting out like you know until Nick Bolton gets back there's going to just be a lot of people just saying the same thing it's like anticipating a riot coming yeah like it just anticipated expect it because like there's Drew Tranquil has no business being off the field he's a green dot he's picked up things extremely quickly this team is playing at an exceptional level defensively He's a big piece of that, and he provides something as a coverage player that this team simply does not have. Because, like, Willie Gay has the athleticism to do stuff in coverage, but he, he doesn't do it consistently. He doesn't process things mentally, and Drew Tranquil is the exact opposite. He is just fantastic in coverage. He's fantastic instinctually. 
understands route structure. Like they have to keep him on the field, and I'll be very disappointed if his role gets reduced when the linebacker room gets a little more full. What do you think the the hierarchy of those four guys will be? Extending it to Leo Chanel too. We've seen him play more, but not, you don't have to give me like you know snap percentages because obviously the situations for when you're going to be in sub packages are going to change. But in terms of who Steve Spagnuolo is going to demand is on the field in whatever order of operations, what do you think it will be, and, and what do you think it should be? I think Bolton will get. You know, he might be in the dime over over a, a Drew. He like they just like they they love Nick and Nick, Nick's good. Like, don't get me wrong, man. Like Nick's a good linebacker. I would prefer to have a a, a, a tranquil on the field for more coverage downs and, and and more of that. But they really value the high level communication. I think it's ultimately going to be Bolton tranquil. I think it's Chanel then because like. I don't think they trust Willie Gay as much as they have in years prior, and I think they've got better answers than than Willie Gay at this point. So, like, Willie Gay is going to still get in there. He's going to make some splash plays, but I think he's kind of the limit on the totem pole when it's all said and done. Which is wild. And you guys, again, you guys talked about this, but the the balance of him being simultaneously, like, the, the having the most of those splash plays, being at times the most fun. His highlights are as fun as I just about any linebacker in football. Mm-hmm. And then the times when you're like, oh, that was probably where Willie Gay was supposed to be. It's just so frustrating in a way that I'm not I'm not fully ready to, to, to let go. And I, I think I probably should be, but I'm not. And I'm just going to go ahead and carry that baggage. Well, I mean, think about, I mean, Jim Tranquil just went for one year, $4 million this year. Yep. Uh, over under that number for Willie Gay with all the inconsistencies, like people are going to be so fascinated by the athletic profile, and they should. Mm-hmm. But he's also been an assistant for four years and hasn't really been able to dig as many steps as you would like to see someone of his athletic ability do. So I, you, he could be back for the Chiefs on a low end deal, and I would not be surprised at all. Like I just, it'll be fascinating to see what his value is in the marketplace because a guy that's been in a system for four years, maybe not making, you know, not being as consistent. You know, people will be fascinated by that athleticism, but like, are they going to be able to get them up to speed to play at a high level? You know, that's going to be it's going to be an interesting market for for Willie Gay this offseason. Then, what are you looking at for uh, for Chiefs Packers? Uh, we can get your prediction in a second as well. But they they have had such crazy swings just in terms of like public perception and and the the development or lack thereof, and then development again for Jordan Love, the the defensive expectations and versus what they've actually been, and then they hey you know they they beat the Lions in Detroit, maybe the Packers are back. Uh, what's your uh, what's your view of Green Bay after Thanksgiving? Well, I was buying a lot of Packers stock early, like very big Packers stock buyer early, and you know I I, I believed in them on some money lines, I believed in them on some spreads. And they just disappointed me for like six straight weeks. And the second I stopped believing is when they <laughs> kind of start picking some things back up and yeah. start to play better. Jordan Love's Jordan Love's ascent has been, you know, has been viable and real. And what he's been putting on tape recently has been very impressive. Um, I think their weapons, you know, the, the pass catchers. You've got really young pass catchers. You know, you, Jaden Reed, uh, Christian Watson. Uh, Don Pavian Wicks. They've got these really young guys. And so their consistency, their development, I think is huge for the overall development of the, of the offense. And so, you know, Jordan Love's been around for four years, but the receivers he's thrown to largely have not. 
Um, they got really good young skill players, and I think the skill players' growth and development has been huge for them, just kind of getting to a, a more respectable level and a, a lot more consistency. And so like, I think that's been a huge piece of it. Um, they're going to be a tough challenge for sure, um, but I think their defense stinks out loud, and I think the Chiefs are going to put points on the board still. So primetime in Lambeau, stinky defense, and the Chiefs offense putting some things together. What you got? Uh, I all these compliments to the Packers, and this isn't a slight on them, but Steve Spagnuolo hasn't allowed more than 22 points, and I don't think they're going to do that. And I think the Chiefs are going to put some points on the board this week, so it's going to be 31-17 Chiefs. 31-17 Chiefs. Um, what was this? What was the score on Sunday? It's the Raiders. It was 31-17. So I mean, we're just gonna look. Hey, I'll I'll take 31-17s all the way into uh, the second week of February. I, I can live with that. So uh, I hope you're right, and I hope those uh, those predictions continue on. Let, remind me to uh, text you about the manatees, and if you ever want to go uh, any sort of um, wild animal uh, swimming, I, I guess I guess this is the thing I do now. So you just let me know. If you send me pictures of manatees, that'll be the first time you've texted me on porpoise. I think this relationship is dull finished. Thank you, Kent, for absolutely nothing. Dylan, please get him out of here. So mad. We we open we open we open the show to him. We say, Kent, come on in. Let's talk about some Chiefs things. Hey, let's let's talk about the Chiefs offense, the Chiefs defense. Let's look ahead of the Packers. Let's look, let's look back. Let's look back at the Raiders. Say, Kent, let's let's come have a nice time together. He says, Porpoise. I had a wonderful time. Hey, I'll see you later. What, sorry, what was that one? I couldn't hear that one, actually. I will see you later. What, I'm sorry, you cut out one more time. No. Bye. Love you. It's Kent Swanson of the KC Sports Network. KCSN.substack.com, and I can assure you it will be the last time I fill in for the interviews on a Thursday when it's Kent's week. The KC Laboratory podcast is spectacular. You get great stuff from Craig Stout, Maddie Lane. Sometimes you'll hear from Tucker Franklin. I was about to say Tucker. Sometimes you'll hear from, from that guy. Absolutely unbelievable. We had Frank Clark right there. No shark references still? All right, fine. We'll take a break. I'm going to go ahead and try to let some steam out through my blowhole. He also does some podcast with Brandon McAnderson. I cannot recall the name for as well, but, you know, that's not important. No, re- Honestly, why? What would, be the, what would be the purpose of remembering anything else that Kent does after that? Always a whale of a time. Rolling on in the zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Jason Anderson is out today. Joshua Briscoe back from a little week away. Back right into the thick of things with you here. Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass. You know, wasn't here 
on Monday either, so I didn't get to give out a ring. Brought to you by Ruback Fine Jewelry. Once you've been to Ruback one time, you'll be a customer for life. That's certainly how it's been for me and Renee so far. Call or text Hal today about scheduling your appointment at 913-649-8811 or visit their website at ruback.co. Got a brand new location in downtown Overland Park. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Just moved there after a long time at the old place. Who's getting the ring this week? I mean, look, we, we talked about the places this offense is going to continue to evolve, but there's absolutely no way to give it to anybody other than Rasheed Rice. In my book here now, at least, Travis Kelsey's gotten this note uh, a few times. But I'm going to give it to Rasheed Rice, breaking 100 yards for the first time in his young career and the first wide receiver to go over 100 yards for the Chiefs this season. I believe the stat goes back to Juju last year for the last 100-yard regular season uh, wide receiver performance in a single game for the Chiefs, and then MVS in the playoffs would have gotten there. But regardless of how they got there and, and some of the, the ways this offense is being built and tinkered with, Rasheed Rice absolutely worthy of getting the ring, as we talked about with uh, Kent Swanson last segment. It is the drag routes. It's the back shoulder fade. It's what he was able to do in, in yards after the catch and tracking the ball in the air. Really, uh, across the board, you got a lot of good things from Rasheed Rice and hopefully a lot that he can continue to build on. If you want to build on a great piece of jewelry, do that at Ruback Fine Jewelry. Check out their new location in downtown Overland Park, now open. Again, visit them online at ruback.co. That's where Renee's ring is from. It's where my ring is from. And uh, they're great. Ruback's great. The rings are great. I'd certainly make that call if you're maybe looking at engagement season coming up. Make the call to Ruback Fine Jewelry, and then uh, tell them we sent you. Tell them Briscoe sent you, and uh, I don't know, they'll, uh, maybe they'll be happy to hear that. That, that seems like a nice thing to do. Um, in that vein, we can also, Dylan, if you're ready, I've also got on good authority, we can give some things out to the people, in fact. Uh, from our friends at Pizza Shop. We've got uh, uh, $25 gift cards to give away, and we're going to give away two of them right now to caller number 8 and caller number 10. Big shout-out to our friends at Pizza Shop. This is your chance to win right now. Caller number 8 and caller number 10 for $25 to Pizza Shop here today in the zone. Go ahead and call that number right now, 913-3810-810. Caller number 8 and caller number 10 will be the winners. Don't I'll let you start on that. and then, well, Or do we want to go ahead and take our time out right now? Okay, here's what we're going to do and make sure we got all our trains moving on time. You heard about Rasheed Rice. You heard about a chance to get some pizza. When we come back, you're going to hear from Chiefs coordinators live from Arrowhead. We'll go out to the pressers next in the zone.